way, and the way is Jesus. And there's only one way, the Bible says. But that way has been revealed uh, through God's Word and through the life that Jesus lived. There is a way. I hope that song sticks with you this week. And when you feel like there is no way, and you feel like there is uh, no path forward, may God use that to remind you uh, that that's wrong. That's a lie of the devil. There is a way, a way that God has made. Well, this has been a wild week for our country. I mean, it has just been uh, unbelievable uh, what's been going on. just seems like one thing uh, after another has been happening uh, in our country. Now, I'm not interested uh, in taking sides on this, but most of you have, uh, at least not from the pulpit, taken sides on this. Uh, but uh, you've been watching the discussion about the wall that they're going to build with uh, Mexico and that wall that's been talked about. And that reminded me, as I was preparing for the message today, uh, that reminded me of the, what they call the Great Wall, the Great Wall of China. I think we have a picture of that. We can uh, show you the Great Wall uh, of China. It's a monstrous uh, wall, the most famous wall uh, in the world, the Great Wall of China. And I did some studying on that, that great wall. And in the ancient world, the Chinese, and rightfully so, they wanted protection from barbarian hordes that were uh, coming in and attacking nations and uh, taking people over. And so the Chinese wanted protection, and so they built the great wall, 30 feet high, 18 feet thick, and more than 15 Hundred miles long, 30 feet high, 18 feet thick, and more than 1,500 miles long. They wanted, when they built it, they wanted an impenetrable defense. They wanted it too high to climb over, too thick to break down, and too long, why it's so long, too long to go around. And uh, they built that wall, and it is amazing. And the people trusted in that wall to keep them safe. But did you know, listen to this, during the first hundred years of the wall's existence, China was successfully invaded three times. Wasn't the wall's fault. During all three invasions, the barbaric hordes never once were able to climb over the wall or break it down, or go around it. The wall did what it was supposed to do. The hordes were not able to go over it. They were not able to break it down, and they were not able to go around it. Each time of those three times that the barbarian hordes were able to invade China, they got in because they bribed a gatekeeper. They bribed a gatekeeper who allowed... Uh, gates to be opened up and then they marched through. They just marched right in to China and wreaked havoc. The purpose of the wall failed because it broke down from within. Because of within. It wasn't the wall itself, but it was because of within bribery and gatekeepers that opened up the gates. Sometimes in life, you will be overwhelmed by big things from the outside. Uh, You'll be overwhelmed by uh, a sickness that you were diagnosed with. You'll be overwhelmed 
uh, by a marriage that begins uh, to fall apart because of things that your uh, spouse is doing and, and, and that you don't like and that you wish wasn't going on. But next thing you know, you'll find that your marriage uh, is over because of things that somebody else has done. Your job will be sent somewhere else or given to somebody else or the plant will close and move somewhere else. Not your fault. You're doing your work like you're supposed to, but uh, they just don't need that position anymore. Sometimes big events from the outside overwhelm us. But many times, listen now, many times we face being overwhelmed not by something big on the outside, but by the everyday small things that occur in our life that just wear us down and wear us down and wear us down. Missteps that become one too many that add up and it's not something from the outside that crushes us, but is our own spirit within that is worn down and overcome. On Sunday mornings, we've been looking at the life of Elisha. And we've seen how God worked through Elisha to stop hostile nations. And how God worked through Elisha to feed the people during a time of famine. We saw the last couple of weeks how God used Elisha to heal the mighty general Naaman. But today, today we're going to see a very different event from the life of Elisha. An event that some people call trivial. Uh, that others would say is small, doesn't quite fit with the other things that are going on uh, in the story of Elisha's life. But this miracle you're going to see today is one of those special stories that God has placed in the Bible to show you that He doesn't just care about the big things in your life you're facing, but God cares, yes, He cares about the big things, but he also cares about the everyday occurrences that wear you down and wear you down and wear you down. So go to 2 Kings chapter 6. Go to 2 Kings chapter 6 and let's read verses 1 through 7. And let's read uh, this most interesting uh, miracle this morning that God, that this is important, that God performed through Elisha. So 2 Kings chapter 6, 2 Kings chapter 6 verse 1 says, The sons of the prophets, now we've heard about them a couple of times now. These are uh, other prophets and they have families together. That's kind of the name of their group. Sons of the prophets is the name of this group of prophets that we keep encountering that have some, uh, some ministry with uh, Elisha, and they have families. We've already seen that. And so the sons of the prophets, they said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell uh, with you is too straight or it's too small for us. Not enough room anymore in this place. So verse 2, they said, Let us go, we pray you, unto Jordan, and to take uh, every man a beam, and let us make a place there where we may dwell and he answered, go. He said, go. You said, you go and build this place. Have the freedom to expand and build a new uh, dwelling place. Verse 3. And one said, be content, I pray thee, I pray, Elisha, that you would go with your servants. And Elisha answered. They said, we've got to go build this. Elisha, we want you uh, to go with us. And Elisha answered and said, I will go. So he went with them. 
And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down wood. So everything's going good, right? There's no sin going on here. Nobody's doing anything they shouldn't be doing. They're doing good ministry, good work. They're expanding, uh, providing more room so they can continue to do the work God's called them to do. There's absolutely no sin going on in this story. But as one was failing or chopping or working on a beam, the axe head on his axe fell into the water. And he cried out, this, this man cried out, and said, Alas! Master, it was borrowed. This axe head falls in the water, and he says it was borrowed. And the man of God said, where fell it? Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. And Elisha, and he, and he cut down a stick, and he cast it in there. He cast it in, and the iron, this is an iron axe head, it sunk to the bottom of the water. He cast in the stick, and the iron did swim, or the iron rose up, to the surface, it came to the surface, it swam. Therefore said he, the prophet said, take it up to thee, take it up, and put out his hand, and he took it. As one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. In the ancient world, iron was expensive. And that's hard for us to imagine, but remember, this is centuries upon centuries ago, and having an iron axe head, having iron in Israel, was a big deal during uh, that time. Some of you have grown up around farming, and you know what it's like to loan out your farm equipment. Some of you can remember harder times when there wasn't a lot of money, and if you loaned out your farm equipment, that was a big, big risk and a big, big deal. That showed you really trusted somebody, if you were going to loan them your equipment, we might say today it would be uh, as if I went to Brother uh, Rick Immel, uh, or Brother Anthony, or, or, or Brother Ronnie uh, Stout, and I went to him and said, can I borrow your truck? Can I, can I borrow your truck? I need to haul some stuff off, and can I just borrow your truck to do the job I need to do? That's more the equivalent in their day and age what it was like borrowing uh, this axe. Now you can imagine that if I borrowed uh, one of our men's trucks, and went out and wrecked the truck, uh, you can imagine that that would create a lot of distress for me. And that would cause a lot of problems for me. And uh, imagine that if I was borrowing the truck, and I didn't actually do anything wrong, but somebody just rammed right into me and wrecked the truck, I would still be uh, upset. And I would still feel like, man, I wonder if those guys wonder if there was something I could do or the accident wouldn't have happened. This guy is just working with, he's doing a good thing. He's doing a good ministry. He's doing what needed to be done for the prophets, the sons of the prophets to be done. He's doing the work, but in the midst of it, life happens. It's not a famine with people needing food to eat. It's not the same as an invading army coming into the land. But if you wreck a truck, somebody else's truck, it is going to stress you out. You know what the devil does with stress in your life? You know what the devil does when things don't go as you plan? The devil and sin, our sin nature, sees that as an opportunity. An opportunity to strike at you. And for some of you, you could handle invading armies. You would trust the Lord. And some of you, if there was famine, you would turn to God and you would trust Him but there's some of you today that you may trust God and you may turn to God when the big things happen, 
But what you don't understand is when the everyday things that just wear you down, if you are not careful and you don't go to the Lord with those, believe me, you have an enemy that is ready to pounce and he is ready to move upon your frustration and upon your disappointment. So the man in today's story, he didn't commit any major sin. In fact, he's doing again a good work. And church, listen to me. Just because you are doing good doesn't mean that trouble's not going to come your way. Some of you are not going to cheat on your spouse. You made a commitment. I love this person. I'm not going to cheat on them. Some of you will never steal from other people. Some of you would never just lay out of worship. Uh, it'd have to be uh, like bad weather or just some catastrophe for you not to be worshiping with God's people. You're not, the devil's not going to get you that way. But the way the devil will get you if he can't get you with those big things and the way that your sin will work against you, not through yielding to some massive temptation from the outside, but by wearing you down and attacking you and focusing on the things that stress you out in life. And when he does that, when things go wrong, especially when you're doing what's right, especially when the enemy sees that you were doing something right, but something unexpected happened. When the devil sees that, you say, why, why do I feel so defeated if I'm trying to do right? Because there is a spiritual battle going on, and when the enemy knows that you're trying to do right and things aren't working out, he sees that as an opportunity to crush your spirit. He may not get you with the big thing, but by the everyday disappointment, he can crush the work that God is doing in you. Now, that's a discouraging thing to say. And that is a discouraging message to bring, to know that even when you're doing good, that sin is at work and that it is seeking to harm you and to hurt you. And you might want to say, reading a story like that, well, pastor, if life is like this, if following Jesus is like this, then I should just quit because there's no hope. I'm doing good and sin is still going to attack me. And when sin attacks us, it is a big deal and it is a discouraging deal. But I want you to know that God's Word gives us a text like today because God wants you to know that when the trivial things begin to wear you out, He wants you to know something. He wants you to know that just like I've got you when the cancer comes or the death hits or, or the major, you lose your job, God wants you to know, to know today. Just like I've got you when those big things happen, God wants you to know I've got you when those small things happen in life as well. God wants you to know today that if you are getting weary in good doing, the New Testament talks about that, about being weary, encourage us, don't be weary in doing good. Why are we told that? Because there's a battle. And some of you today are weary, are weary. There are times that I've been weary. I was weary a couple of months ago. Just weary. If you're weary today, I want you to know, listen, that God sees that. And He sees your weariness. And God wants you to know that He's got this. And God wants you to know today, this is good, that His power, that His provision affects every aspect of your life. Like this man who called out to Elisha, if you are weary today, you need to call out to God. Today, this text reminds us, do not bear your struggle alone. This man looked to the, the prophet who spoke for God. Today, as believers, if you've trusted in Jesus, you can go through Jesus. The Bible says you have a high priest 
and not a high priest that you can't approach. But the Bible says in, in everything that you, that you go through, you can go to God. If that is good news, say amen. Are you weary today? Are you weary in doing good? The great wall of China was undone from within. It was not undone from the outside. It actually achieved that purpose, but from within it fell. We need to be careful that we do not allow the everyday wear and tear of living to destroy us from within. Look at Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 up here. Look at this verse. Remember this. I was reminded of this this week. Remember this passage. Hebrews says, let us lay aside every weight. Every weight. Everything that weighs you down. The writer says, lay it aside. And that sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience. Let us be patient. Let us not give up. Let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us. How do we do this? How do we set these things aside? How do we continue in our, in our uh, good doing that God has called us to? It says, no, Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus. There's only one way to continue in the ministry you've been called to, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He started the story of your journey with God, and Jesus will be the one who brings it to completion. So lay aside every weight. He says, then he says, what did Jesus do? How is it that we can look to Jesus and trust Jesus? The Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For joy, he continued in the walk. He continued in the ministry. He continued even as Paul was attacked. He looked to Jesus and continued to move forward. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Is there one more part to that, Brother Rick? Is that it? What else does it say about it? See, when you are worn down, Hebrews says, consider Him. Consider Jesus, this one who died on the cross for you. Hebrews says, consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself. Why? Lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. The Bible says today that if you are weary, and if you are worn down, it says, look to Jesus. Focus on Jesus. In basketball, the older the kids get, the smarter they get. And the smarter they get, certain players figure out, this kid's not as good as me. And when they start to figure that out, what do they do? They get hesitant to pass that weaker kid the ball. Because they're afraid if I pass the ball to that kid, he's going to drop it. Or he's not going to be able to shoot it. And so the more skilled players begin to get hesitant. Listen, that is foolishness. You can't play ball that way. Because if you're not moving the ball around among your team, the enemy can concentrate on one player or two players and you're going to lose that game. You have to trust to pass the ball to one another. God has called you to look to Him and to pass those weights and to pass those struggles and to pass those difficulties to Him. And we foolishly, we foolishly refuse to turn to God and to give Him those everyday struggles. God, listen, 
God wants, that Hebrew passage reminds us, that God desires to handle the struggle in your life. This is a different kind of sermon. This morning's text reminds me of all that from what we see occur. Because God's word is not just for the famine, and God's word is not just for the invading army, and it's not just for a name, and God's word is for this guy who is doing good and things unraveled, and God worked a miracle in his life. It reminds me of that. But you know something else that today's text reminds me of? Today's text reminds me that some of you, like that axe of iron, you have fallen into the waters of sin. And you have fallen in and you are underneath sin. It has brought you down and you are underneath judgment. And you cannot pull yourself up out of that judgment. Some of you today are in sins that are drowning you. The iron axe head sunk into the water. And that axe head could not raise itself. And we are like this axe head and that sin will not allow you to bring yourself back up. There is no setting your feet on the miry clay yourself. That hymn that we sung says that God is the one who sets us up. He is the one who pulls us out of the miry clay. And we today are like that axe. All of us who have committed sin, at one time or another we are all under judgment and we have fallen under the waters of that sin. But in our text we see that God intervenes. And God speaks through the prophet. And God uses a stick of wood to miraculously raise the iron uh, out of the water. My boys were playing uh, Xbox the other day. They they only get to play on the weekends or uh, when it snows, when they don't have to go to school. They only get to play on days they're not at school. So you you know they're praying right now that they don't have to go to school tomorrow. So they, they, they get to play Xbox on the weekends. And that's it. And uh, I guess on Friday night, my wife was telling me that Ethan and Owen were laying in bed. They share a bedroom. And they were plotting. They were going to play Madden. That's a football game. They were going to play the next day, and they were going to play on the same team. And they were plotting what they were going to do. And they were describing what they were going to do. And uh, one of them was supposed to play quarterback, and the other was supposed to play receiver. Well, I get home last night. I was out all day doing stuff and, and got home last night. And uh, Laura told me the boys had, uh, had a little trouble, had a little trouble. And uh, Owen decided that uh, he didn't want to share being quarterback. He wanted to be quarterback the whole time, whole time. And that created problems. Because Owen just said, I'm just, you know, I'm better at quarterback. And that's what I need to do. I need to be the quarterback. Can I tell you today, that axe head could not raise itself. It could not lead itself to victory. That man could not go down there and get it. It took a word from God for the victory in that story to occur. And we're like that axe head. We have fallen under the waters of sin. And what we need is a word from God. And my friends, the wonderful story of this Bible, what ties it all together, is that God has given a word. And God spoke a great word. And God has said to those that are trapped in the sin of Adam and Eve, I'm not going to leave you there. God spoke a word, and the word was salvation. And when God looked what it would take to redeem us from the sin that had brought us under His judgment, 
Because when dead, if you are engaged in sin, if you have ever sinned, if you have been born, you are under this curse of sin. And God said, I will give salvation. He gave a word that you could be saved from sin. If you are glad for God's word of salvation, say amen. He gave a word of salvation. But my friend, when he gave the word of salvation, he said there is a price that must be paid. There's a price that must be paid for your sin and mine because we are guilty. And when God spoke that word of salvation from history past, when God determined to save you, my friends, He took another piece of wood. He took a tree that came from the seeds that He had created and He had made. And God took the tree that He had made that the Son, Jesus, if you study the Bible, Jesus was there with Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in the beginning. Jesus spoke these trees into existence with Father God. And when God spoke the word of salvation to save you, He looked upon His creation and He saw another stick of wood. He saw a tree of wood. Because you cannot save yourself. You cannot be the quarterback of your own salvation. And just as Elisha went and got a stick and laid it or threw it into the water to raise the axe head up, there is only one thing that can save you from the sin that you are under, and that is Jesus who gave His life on a stick of wood to pay the penalty for your sin. My friend, there was another piece of wood far greater than what this piece alludes to. Oh, Elisha speaks for God. And He uses the wood to bring salvation. And God our Father has spoken a word of salvation. And His Son has come to give it. And His Son hung upon a piece of wood for your sin. And so my friend, we are told, do not weary in doing good. Look to this one Jesus who hung on that cross, who hung on that wood and died so that you may be saved. We run for a short season and the enemy attacks. And if he cannot get you from big things on the outside, he will wear you down on the inside. And whether you are being defeated from the outside or whether your spirit is crushing you from within, wherever you are at on that spectrum, there is only one answer for what plagues you and that is Jesus Christ. I love this miracle because the truth is, many of us may never have a name and story. And we don't know what will happen in our country. Maybe it will be invaded one day. But as of yet, in my life, we've, we've had terrorists that have attacked. And there have been a lot of bombings and killings lately. But we've never had a monstrous enemy force roll into our land. We've never faced those kind of decisions in our own country. Maybe one day, but so far we haven't. And so we may not face invading armies in our own country. We may not, uh, we may not face famine in our land. I, I hope not. We may never know that. But my friends, every person here knows what it's like to be worn down within your soul. And so today we're reminded from this text that there is a piece of wood that is the cross where Jesus hung and bled and died for your sin. And it was not the wood that made the iron to rise, but it was the authority of God. And it is not the wood that delivers you, but it is Jesus 
who gave His blood for you. Titus 3, 3 through 3-5 says this, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, sometimes disobedient. We ourselves also. That's all of us. All of us sometimes were foolish and disobedient and deceived, serving diverse, serving our own lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man, toward humanity appeared. And not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. The same Spirit power that was spoken, that raised this axe head. That same power has been given to us to wash us and to cleanse us when we trust what Jesus has done for us on the cross of Calvary. And so my friend, are you weary? And are you worn down? And are you on the verge of defeat? The enemy seeks to defeat you from within if he cannot defeat you from without. And God's Word says, look, to Jesus. Even with the everyday, especially with the everyday things of life, look to Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? God, thank you today for this miracle. This wonderful miracle of this man who cried out in desperation because he had lost the axe head that he had borrowed. Lord, I know there are some desperate people here today. Lord, I know there are some weary people here today. Lord, I pray that they would look to You and that they would trust You this morning. I ask this in Jesus' name. Let's see, so what number? 590.